While we believe the information in this broadcast is reliable, we cannot guarantee its accuracy. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment advice or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Please consult your financial professional before making any investment decisions. Investment advisory services are offered through Precision Capital Management and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. The firm only transacts business in states where it is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. SEC registration is not an endorsement of the firm by the commission and does not mean that the advisor has attained a specific level of skill or ability. Fiduciary duty extends solely to investment advisory advice and does not extend to other activities such as insurance or broker-dealer services. Advisory clients are charged a quarterly fee for assets under management while insurance products pay a commission which may result in a conflict of interest regarding compensation. Welcome to Beyond the Business, presented by the Coastal Financial Planning Group. Each Saturday morning at 8.30, listen in to successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts, Rick Durkee, Eric Cox, and Leslie Haywood. And good morning and welcome back to Beyond the Business. I'm your host, Rick Durkee. I'm here with Eric Cox. Good morning, Eric. How good are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm our, great. Glad our, to be back. Our maniac that went up to Maine and took a little family vacation for summer vacation. Leslie Haywood is out on vacation this week. so uh, We're Eric, rotating. Yeah, man. So uh, how was that trip? I tell you what, Maine, it was our first trip to Maine and what a beautiful place that is, at least this time of the year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely phenomenal. Highly recommend it. Anybody has that on your bucket list, go do it. Well yeah. worth it. And by the way, the lobster, lobster. is pretty good. <laughs> Did we you have, have a lots lobster, of lobster roll? And lots of butter. <laughs> I hear you. So uh, glad to have you back. And uh, we'll look forward to having Leslie back in a couple of weeks when she gets done with her summer vacation. Um, to understand why I was gone, y'all actually did do a show, right? Yeah, we did. We did. And that's what I wanted to talk about. We had Larry Collette um, as our guest. Now, he is the current founder and leader for Charleston Leaders, which is a uh, group of business people here in the Charleston marketplace that meet once a month. Uh, certainly uh, look them up online, Charleston Leaders, uh, business owners out there and uh, professionals. You'll want to definitely look into their group Um Larry is also the founder and the president and owner of NetGalaxy Studios. So they're uh, in charge of creating some applications for uh, for uh, mobile devices across the country and here locally. Do a lot of work with local government and creating apps. So uh, certainly if you get a chance, you can go back and visit that show online or at Eric's website, CoastalWealthManagement.com. CoastalWM. Okay. Dot com top right hand corner you will see pod, a radio podcast and just click on that icon and not only do we have Larry's show but we have the last twenty or twenty five shows so if you missed any of those on one of these great Saturday mornings and you want to spend a little time podcasting it listen to some great stories in entrepreneurship go check those out yeah and you'll definitely hear some great points on Larry and how he got into his uh, current position and um, what he's done and how he. Uh, decided the time was right to flip the switch and leave corporate America and go into small business for himself. So uh, our listeners are always gaining knowledge from our guests as far as what their past is and what they've been able to teach others, mentor others. And that's one of the big points of our shows that our listeners can learn. But today our uh, guest is... (laughs) I'm going to screw up first. Joe Stringer. Joe, good morning. Glad to have you. Good morning, Rick. Thanks very much for having me. 
Now, I, I just want to make it easy for us all to talk here, so I'm definitely going to make the mistakes here this morning. Joe, you're just going to have to tell your story. Is that all right with you? Sounds good to me. All right. So as we normally do, we, first of all, give someone's background for what you're doing right now. So uh, could you share with our listeners what your current role is of uh, a retired past uh, uh, business person? Yeah, as um, I'm, I'm currently the Charleston director for the South Carolina Christian Chamber of Commerce, and that's a fairly new entity in the state. Um, our purpose is to impact the community for Christ through networking, through education, through helping to raise funds for various efforts um, to impact our community. Mm -hmm. uh, my local role is to make sure Charleston is growing and developing for Christ, and uh, I'm excited to do that. I recently retired less than a year ago because I felt called to do this, and and really uh, that goes in line with my latest writings on Christian issues for business and witnessing Christ in our business. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to want to learn a lot about that over the course of the next two shows. Um, but what we usually do too, Joe, is we go way back and go back to history. So where where were you born? Where where were you raised? Tell us a little bit about your family life growing up. Sure. Born in Maryland, the uh, first 13 years of my life in Baltimore. Uh, my parents both were from there. We moved when I turned 13 uh, to Vermont. So I spent my teen years in Vermont uh, doing a little bit of skiing mm -hmm. and hiding from the intense cold. Uh, as Eric mentioned, in, in Maine, it's a good time to be in Maine or Vermont at this time of year. Uh, but any time other than the summer, it gets a little tough. Uh, but my, my father was... Um, uh, in academics, he was an academic dean um, for uh, several different colleges. It's, we moved around quite a bit. We, we went from Vermont to Albany, New York. Um, and then I got involved in business and, and was working my way through school. And my first career actually was in jewelry. I worked my way through school and uh, selling for a, a jewelry store. And um, when I graduated, ended up uh, as a buyer for a couple of large jewelry chains that we would know here uh, throughout the country in New York City. Mm -hmm. um, so, Joe, then, I'm, I'm going to stop you a minute because you've skipped from uh, being born all the way to your first career. And there's a lot in between there in we want to okay. catch up on. So. <laughs> yeah, we got to back it up just a little sure. bit. <laughs> so let's, and it happens quite often. So let's go back to uh, childhood. Uh, talk a little bit. You said your, your father um, grew up in academics, was a dean. Um, was your mother a stay-at-home mom? Did she work? No, okay. Um, mom actually was an RN, a nurse. And okay. you know, we were very middle class. You know, mm -hmm. uh, in, in those days, you, you didn't make a lot of money as an academic dean. And mom always had to work to help make ends meet. She would work at night. My dad was, of course, working during the day. Um, and we were at church every Sunday. But the interesting thing, my earliest memory of my father is when he was at Towson State Teachers College, which is now Towson University in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, he was he got his degree, his Ph.D. in genetics and, and anatomy. And so my earliest recollection of my father is sitting in the back of his classroom at six years old when I got out of the, the grade school and hearing him lecture on anatomy. And that was that was impressed me. And then later on in life, he retired early in order to go into the priesthood. 
And we can get to that a little bit later, but mm-hmm. I think he's been a model for me in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and mom was always working. You know, the family worked together. And I, I don't, we, we had a great life. You know, it was a, I had a brother and two sisters. I was right in the middle of, and really uh, we had a very good life coming up. Um, didn't want for anything. And we, there's plenty of love in the family, but they worked yeah. hard and they, they taught us the, the, the lessons of, of working hard, of integrity, honesty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Certainly uh, qualities that would go forward into your business career and life. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so brothers and sisters, now are they alive still? Or are you still... Um, one sister, my sister Susan, passed away in 95 from breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, then my other sister is still in Albany, New York, uh, and my brother's in retired from... Uh, the State Department, he's actually in Washington State now, climbing mountains mm-hmm. at 69. Now, I know a lot of people around town here know you um, from your uh, current position at the Charleston uh, chapter of the South Carolina Christian Chamber of Commerce. Um, but also uh, through your insurance background, Anderson Insurance, you were with them for several years in risk management. Um, how about sharing a story with us and our listeners and those people out there that know you, okay, that they don't know about you from your childhood. Go back to way back in childhood, something that you did with your brothers or sisters or parents that, that they don't know about you. This show is called Beyond the Business, so we want to know what makes Joe Stringer tick. What what got him started in, in his life, uh, you know, back in childhood days? That's a tough one. A tough one, okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you a story that came to mind, and this tells on, on me and the way my parents were. Uh, at at five years old, uh, we we lived in a little small town, Shepherdstown, West Virginia, right over the Maryland border. My dad was teaching genetics at, at the college, and being a small town, at five they let me go out to the local store right up the street. You know, this is small town America back in the fifties, and I asked my mom if I could go buy a piece of candy at the store, and she said, sure, go ahead. There's a nickel on on the, the counter there. Go get yourself something. And when I went to the counter, I saw there was actually a nickel and a 50-cent piece. And, I, you know, something made me pick up that 50-cent piece and go mm-hmm. buy a bag full of candy. Mm-hmm. And I came back with the bag full of candy, not thinking about consequences. <laughs> and my mother looked at me and like, where did you get that? And that much candy. Then confession time started, and they marched me back to the store and made me return the candy, and I was punished for quite a while. You know, so, But it, it taught me, number one, a very big lesson in how we apply integrity mm-hmm. and how we don't take what's not ours. Okay. okay. And, so, and also uh, how they handled you know, their son doing something that was definitely wrong. And it was done with concern and, and definitely discipline, but at the same time, love. Yeah. yeah Great to learn right. those lessons when you're young. That's yeah. right. So, Joe, let's talk a little bit about uh, school. Talk uh, about how, well, what type of student were you involved in extracurricular activities? Was school uh, fun to you or just oh, yeah. having I, to do that? Okay. I loved learning, you know, and... Um, because we moved quite a bit, you know, I went to a number of different schools. I ended up at Brattleboro Union High School. That's where I graduated in 
1968. It'll be 50 years this coming year. And straight-A student pretty much, um, graduated seventh in my class, um, um, 1450 on the SATs. I, I love learning, and I've all, I've learned throughout my life. I've never stopped. Um, went on, I, I went to three colleges. I started at State University of New York, I uh, went to a—I um, I met my wife in the process, got married, and we had kids right away. And so, you know, I was really working my way part-time in school and full-time at work. And then—but uh, ended up at Rutgers and graduated with a degree, believe it or not, in music theory and history, which really qualified me for business career. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Was there—you mentioned, was there a third college, though? Yeah, um, and it's a little community college outside of Princeton that I went to. And that was the final? No, that was the the middle college, Rutgers. Okay. And uh, any courses that you really excelled or liked during college or— Love them all. Yeah. And I, I, Were you keeping that straight A average going all the way through college, too? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, 4.0, wow. So— Yeah, really applying yourself to yeah. school and learning. Okay. So when you were ready to come out of college, did you have a vision for what your career was going to be like? Were you set in that path or? No, not really. And that's, as I said, it's a joke in a way. I mean, a music degree in, in music theory doesn't qualify you unless you're going to go on and, and get your 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 master's and your doctorate. Um, it didn't really qualify me for anything at that time. By that time, I was a buyer in New York City for these jewelry chains and and doing pretty well then. Plus, I had two children and a growing family there, and so decided to continue in that career. And the thing that that sort of left turn that I took is while I was doing that, involved in new store openings and so forth for these chains, I got very interested in risk management. And in in looking at how our risks were, the exposures that our businesses had, and that led me in the mid '80s to change course from um, retail into risk management and insurance, and and really addressing those issues, um, expanding just from the jewelry industry into other industries. Mm-hmm. So, so many risks that business owners face out there, not just from protection of property and things like that, but liability issues. All kinds of issues that this this transition into to your career in the insurance industry. Um, any other um, uh, stories you'd like to tell? I mean, we skipped a little bit past the. I had a wife and two children. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> did you did you also um, uh, bring your children into your um, work life too, or or into your school lives like your dad did, and uh, and uh, help train and teach and mentor them. Yeah. And, um, well, interestingly, I met my wife and, and she was divorced um, the, with two children. You know, so I had instant family, okay. a boy and a girl. And when we got married, they were eight and four. And that's, I think, fell in love with the kids as quickly as I fell in love with my wife. Mm-hmm. And um, they were, fortunately, I, however, the the spouse was out of the picture long by that time. And so really quickly, they we became a family. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when we went on our first quote-unquote honeymoon to Lake Georgia, New York, you know, my wife had said, kids, you know, do you want to start calling Joe dad maybe? And they're like, that's a good idea. Oh, and so wow. we're here up at a, at a resort up there in the pool, and the kids are, are in there, dad, I mean, dad, Joe, no. I mean, dad. <laughs> and we got 
odd looks back then in the in the seventies. Mm-hmm. So, but um, yeah, and I, I both of my kids have have been successful. Uh, my my son especially, I'm very proud of him. He's he's taken I think the best of both my wife and I. He's great with people, and he has her drive and financial ability. Mm-hmm. And he is now um, a plant manager um, for uh, Conagra Foods, and he's just changed to Leesburg, Georgia. He, he actually was spent 20 years in the Navy, retired from there, snapped oh, wow. up by Pepsi, Second and is now career. running a plant down there, and he's their turnaround master. Mm-hmm. You know, very sharp guy mm-hmm. and um, financial planner. You know, he's worth about 10 times what I am. Mm-hmm. So he's Good. taken that advice that uh, that Rick Durkee puts out. So, okay. so John, I want to go back to um, the jewelry business that you're in mm-hmm. and, and you make a, a switch from the jewelry world to this risk management world. And that's a big switch. Yeah. Talk about the dichotomy between those two types of industries and how it impacted you personally. And the jewelry world, in, in one sense, is very insular. Um, I had a very specific job there. I was buying gold settings for um, for non-diamond jewelry, you know, so for for precious stones, that kind of thing. And I was the, the sort of the gold buyer in that sense. And so a very specific job and going back and forth to New York City, um, traveling from Jersey into New York on on the on the train every day, very pressured environment, and I really honestly got tired of it at at one point because it is so pressured. It's it's everything that stereotypically you see about New York City in that sense, and you have to depressurize coming back on the train back back home. Um, but I at the same time I got involved in this risk management part of it, and and that that really tr- tweaked my interest. It, it really this is what got my passion going. I enjoyed jewelry. I loved what I was doing, and I enjoyed, you know, the buying and the selling of jewelry. But at the same time, this is something I saw a means to help people and to help industry, to help business, to really look at the exposures they had. Mm -hmm. Did you see some risks in the jewelry business that you um, thought you might be able to carry forward as far as recommendations for, uh, for, I mean, I would think theft. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, well, and it's interesting, of course. And I, I worked at Forty Seventh and Fifth in New York City, and that's the Diamond District. And used to walk down the street and saw diamond dealers trading gems by a handshake on the street with people walking by diamonds, and I mean, talking very valuable gems. And this this was this was like an everyday occurrence. Well, you don't see that today so much, um, but that. The big exposure in in jewelry, you know, in the jewelry industry, primarily theft. You can, but you can run it at, like any other business runs into if you have a natural disaster that happens, uh, the flooding in New York City after Hurricane Sandy, uh, the the thing that just you know with the where they cut the power line going on to to Ocracoke Island, uh, those natural disasters or man made disasters, a fire happens can severely impact a business. And I, I was looking at some of these issues that happened in our stores throughout the chain and, and said, how do we plan for that? How do we respond to these issues? Or how do we respond to when we have a downturn in the economy that puts Main Street out of business? Because now our, our Main Streets and our downtown stores are thriving. Uh, but back in the 70s, the downtowns throughout America were dying. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's funny, I was actually reading while I was up in Maine 
uh, for vacation, The Entrepreneur Equation by Carol Roth, and that was a book that was recommended to us by um, Jim Lawson over at the um, – uh, South Carolina, Carolina Small Business, Small Business Development, Development Center. Center. Mm-hmm. And um, great read, by the way, for all you entrepreneurs out there this morning. Uh, it's a tough read. I mean, it's a hard hitter about entrepreneurship. But what you're talking to and alluding to are these factors as a business owner that we don't always anticipate. And so we build our business plans. We build our business models. We have our planning sessions about how we're going to operate going forward. But we sometimes don't think about the what ifs. And so certainly the world that you've been involved in from your risk management days um, is all about protecting a business owner during the what ifs. And so if you don't mind, Joe, take us a little bit, because we have a lot of entrepreneurs listening to the show. Um, help them through the thought process of that what if scenario. Exactly. Um, one of the things that I, I consider, and, and you know, we have SCORE, for instance, who's great at helping a businessman put a plan together. But the focus on that is on the financials of how do I put it together? What are my normal costs? But one of the questions they never ask a, a, an entrepreneur when he starts up is, what happens if your business starts up 30 days later Hurricane Matthew comes, completely floods you, and you're now out of business for six months until you can reopen. What happens if the power goes out and your business isn't impacted, but you can't operate for two months or two weeks? You know, these are the the issues that the businessman is focused, the entrepreneur especially, focuses on his product, on his people, Mm -hmm. on how he wants to build the business. And... Too, too often I see this, and I see it today even in our established businesses, how do we impact or what, what happens when something impacts us? And the average businessman doesn't want to look at that. He doesn't want to look aside to the oh, things yeah. that can impact. We're, we're focused on more issues and opportunities than right. risks, right? right. So, so do this without obviously giving names. Maybe give an example of a story of a scenario that you have witnessed in your career um, where planning would have really changed it. Oh, planning yeah. for that risk before Absolutely. it happens, yeah. Um, and one of the things that I do um, with uh, a partner of mine, Scott Cave, who's Atlantic Business Continuity Systems, uh, we give seminars on risk management, on business continuity for entrepreneurs, and we'll walk them through these. And we give a couple scenarios. Um, in Graniteville, South Carolina, there was a train derailment about a decade ago. Uh, there's a manufacturing firm there. There's chlorine gas leak. They had to evacuate the town for the most part. This manufacturer had 4,000 employees. Chlorine, you know, the, none of the employees were harmed, but the computer system in the entire plant that, that ran the entire plant was infected by chlorine gas and was destroyed. They had no backup. Within 16 months, the entire plant was 4,000 people unemployed. Plant was closed. Business went out of business. Um, Alternative scenario, a small computer company in Atlanta, Georgia, who did have a plan, did have backup, they were moving to larger quarters, and they were going across Atlanta, and we talk about Atlanta traffic. They got into an intersection. They had all of their computer equipment in the van, in the back of this van, carrying it to the new location. The van was T-boned by another driver. All of their computers were destroyed. Fortunately, they had off-site backup. They had other computers they had access to, which they could get to quickly. They were back up and running within 24 hours. That company survived. And time and again, we see these kind of scenarios where 
if you plan, if you're aware of the contingencies that can happen uh, outside of normal operations and you have a plan for that, inevitably you are in a much greater position to respond properly to that. If you don't have it, you have roughly 43% of those companies that experience some kind of disaster that don't have a a plan to respond, have not managed their risk, end up with either going out of business or being severely curtailed, most often going out of business. Joe, we have already gone through the first segment of our show. We're down to the last couple minutes here, so I want to make sure that we get out your information now. If you just tuned in or if you tuned in and you didn't hear earlier, Joseph Stringer is our guest this morning. He's a Christian author and the current director of the Charleston Chapter for the South Carolina Christian Chamber of Commerce. And, Joe, a couple of things. Number one, you said um, you wanted to offer a copy of one of your most recent uh, books that you've written. What what, could you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, absolutely. The Ten Commandments for Business, I wrote this about 18 months ago for God in the Workplace. It's a a group that, that speakers come once every month, roughly, to talk about their what their Christ impact has been for their business. And I wrote this, how we apply the Ten Commandments to our business lives and how that changes the way we do business. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, can you tell our listeners about the upcoming meeting for the chapter, uh, the Charleston chapter of the South Carolina Christian Chamber of Commerce out at CSU? Absolutely. The the third Tuesday of the month, every third Tuesday, the Christian Chamber of Commerce meets out at CSU from 12 to 1 for a luncheon. Uh, it's $15, great luncheon that CSU caters. And this month, it's actually going to be on the 15th. The third Tuesday comes very early in the month. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And who's the speaker? Uh, speaker's going to be Sean Summercamp. Mm-hmm. And Sean will be talking about his um, his coaching and leading and from Christian and his his company is motivationeering. Okay. All right. Eric, any final uh, thoughts here? No, Joe, just thanks for your feedback and certainly uh, great information for our uh, business owners listening out there. Those thanks for your time today. Thank thanks you. for going beyond the business and make sure if you listened in this morning to stay tuned for the next half hour for your game plan for retirement. We'll be back next week with more information from Joseph Stringer and uh, risk management ideas and things like that. Back on Beyond the Business, 8.30 a.m. next Saturday morning here on 94.3 WSC-FM. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Join the Christian business movement. Visit sc-c3.org. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, presented by the Coastal Financial Planning Group. If you're a successful business leader or entrepreneur and would like to be featured on a future program, send an email to rick at cfpgroup.biz. Listen in next Saturday morning at 830 for Beyond the Business, presented by the Coastal Financial Planning Group and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC. You've invested countless hours and dollars building your business, and now your investment in your business has paid off. But did you know that according to Business News Daily that more than 60% of small business owners planning to leave their business in the next 10 years don't have an exit strategy? 
Hi, it's Rick Durkee of the Coastal Financial Planning Group. Let me ask you, have you planned your personal financial future wellness as well as that of your business? Have you established a succession plan for your business? Have you developed a plan for your perpetual legacy? Join me for a free discovery workshop to develop the best strategy for your business. BEST Business Exit Strategy Timetable. Call now and I'll send you an invitation by email to learn how to develop your business exit strategy timetable. Call 843-735-5065. That's 843-735-5065 for this free discovery workshop on how to develop your business exit strategy timetable. 843-735-5065.